Noise Junkies. It's a music podcast, baby, covering every musical genre. What do we got that the others don't? I'll tell you. We got Mondo Heather's Heather Drain. Noise Junkie. We got Wolf and Raisins HP. Noise Junkie. We got Dark Destinations Father Malone. Noise Junkie. And we got you. We got music and we got you, baby. And you get it at Weird and Way Media. Noise Junkies. I'm Mike White. And this is Father Malone. And we are the hosts of Dreams for Sale, a once a month look at our favorite iteration of the Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone 1985. If you could see my co hosts, they're smiling right now because that is bold faced lie. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what? This actually still remains my favorite iteration of the Twilight Zone. It's just that I can't handle the back end. Wait, wait. Even, e- I mean, even more so than the original. No, not the original. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you were to say, I, um, I, um, yeah, the thing is, the, the, fir- the first iteration of the show, it ran so long and it had so many episodes that they were bound to have better ones than we had here. And they had Rod Serling running the fucking thing and I mean, that right. stable of writers. The first show, I think, is empirically a better show, but you could make a case for the first season of this show being really like as good. I yeah, mean, I mean, I mean, empirically, the first show has to be the best one for a, a lot of reasons. It's the original. It sets the tone. It makes these other shows what they are. But like, I could see why you would say this would be your favorite iteration of the show, because it's still pretty good. At least the first season is right. The first season. And, you know, it's more personal to me. Like, I didn't grow up in the late 50s, right. early 60s watching it because it would have. I'm sure I'd be like, nothing is better than this if I had uh, if if I had. But um it certainly uh, hit me where it was hitting the viewers then with um, that first season with stories that were completely relatable and uh, utterly terrifying. in in some cases, what about you, Mike, is this, is this your favorite iteration of the show or is it the original? I think if I were just to go by the numbers, I can probably think of more favorite episodes from the first iteration than even the second iteration. I mean, there were some really good segments of this, it feels like we're wrapping up the entire podcast, but oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's just, we've gotten to the point now where like we have no love for this show. So I'm curious, like, where does this like where is this show going to rank? Because I think even Father Malone's kind of said it like uh, he couldn't have anticipated this where right. we are now. Yeah. And I think I mean, yeah, I think Father Malone, you and I are, are just about the same age. So, yeah, I was right there with you on whatever Friday night or whenever they would play this. And it's just like, wow, some of them just blew your mind. I mean, the shadow man and um, just, yeah, uh, the, to see the blind man or whatever that episode was, there were some really good ones and it really got you. But then even going back and seeing some of the originals, like to serve man, it's like, okay, I, I think, I think I'm still all about the original incarnation. Yeah. I, I will concede that the howling man, 
by uh, Chuck Beaumont in the original run of the show is is one of the best pieces of television ever committed to film. So um, that alone is probably better than everything in the first season of this show. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can appreciate that that is a better version of the show, but this is my favorite version of the show. Let me put right. it that way. Now, how about you, Chris? You've seen actually four different incarnations. because I think you've watched more of the 2002 show than either Father Malone or I combined. That would actually have to be my answer as kind of okay. as like as I like like you said, Father Malone, like the one that I saw the most of growing up was the UPN Forrest Whitaker. I mm. remember seeing that show, the episode where they're like it's like the Sims. I remember that episode vividly. The the racism episode, which I still think is actually a pretty good episode, all things considered. I mean, we haven't really had a racism episode in this show, thank because I don't know how well it I mean, I guess we kind of have, but the one with yeah. the guy, hither and yon, not so bold the guy faced. That they couldn't like look at him, right, or whatever. Right. Well, and then the um, the the Chinese guy who is oh, right. super angry about how he's been treated unfairly, which right. I yeah, understand. But, but like the the 2002 shows racism episode, I think still works, and like it's not it's heavy handed, but like it's. Let me put it this way. It's less heavy handed than any of the Jordan Peele stuff is. And I think. Mm -hmm. Is it uh, John Travolta suddenly awake in a world where whites are the minority? (laughs) It's it's not that movie that I just recently found out was a real thing. White man's burden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a charmer of a film. Crowd. Makes you think, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, right. What if? Oh, God. So speaking of thinking, let's put our thinking caps on and talk about. The 49th and 50th episode. It is the 50th episode of the third season of The Twilight Zone. Those episodes are The Trunk and Appointment on Route 17. It's been said that all good things come to those who wait. This is Willie Gardner, a man whose lifetime of waiting is about to end. So The Trunk aired December 24th, 1988. It is directed by Steve DeMarco, written by Paul Chitlick and Jeremy Bertrand Finch. And who does it star? Well, it stars Father Malone's favorite, everybody's favorite, Mr. Bud Court. Uh, Can't go wrong with Bud Court. Strange no. little man. Bud Unless Cort. you're watching this episode. Whoa, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he plays like a, a, a nebbish man who works at the hotel. And he finds a trunk that g- gives him everything that he wants. And he finds out that he, be careful what... Be careful what you wish for, I guess. I don't know. If, Maybe. Like, he doesn't die yeah. in the end. Like, I don't know if I'd want to go into the magical trunk and then come out of the magical trunk, but... Probably not. Be careful what you wish for, but in a, there, I guess not, because this is a, this has a positive ending, so... Let me just uh, let me tilt back here so you can see the poster behind me. Yeah, the Harold and Maude poster. <laughs> yeah. just Harold and Maude, because um, that movie is one of, if not my all-time favorite, and uh, Bud Court can do no wrong in my eyes. Uh, and he acquits himself here, as most of the guest stars who end up in shitty episodes tend to do, like they don't stop being uh, good performers. Um, but I, this episode was just like, what in... If you were, if any of us were given anything for a wish, would the first thing you do be throw a party for all the drunken reprobates and bullies you've had to deal with your entire existence? It's like, like he finally gets an opera. I mean, should we not like this character? Like, is that what they're trying to say? Because I thought like, like, give me a way to kill these people so I can get away from them. Exactly. Like, I want a deed to a house very far from here where I never have to work again or deal with drunks and bullies. Like, 
What? This no. is the logic that you're using that I don't. Right. Logic, logic doesn't work in this show anymore. It makes no sense. This episode actually makes zero fucking so, sense. Um, my question. Okay, so he says, like, uh, you know, if I had a nickel for every time and then suddenly it's filled with nickels. These are the uh, nickels that you would have gotten if that wish had ever come true. And then he just keeps taking stuff out of it. Now, does he at some point just pull out a big wad of cash and then go buy those furniture items? Or are we supposed to believe that the furniture items came out of the trunk? Am I overthinking the episode? Yes. Oh, well, you're definitely giving this a lot more thought than the writers did because it, <laughs> just, it doesn't work. I mean, the whole twist, quote unquote, at the end is just ridiculous. Ugh. I I don't get it. And I don't get how the lady gets the trunk at the end. It's like, where did this come from? How did this get here? There's a and, pervert in my house. He's uh, out of this fucking trunk. Somebody get him! Like nobody's just like, oh, this is some sexy man coming out of this fucking trunk. Like, I wish I had a man to marry. Yeah. (laughs) And here's Bud Court with the eyeliner, that horrible hairdo that he has. Thank God it slicked back at that point. Yes, then he's he's a god. Then. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. I expect him to draw a knife from out behind his back. He looks like God. Oh, that would have been good. All five Uh, foot two of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the I was I was screaming at the television. Just the the people, the gang of youths, quote unquote, that are <laughs> youths, thirty five year old youths that are hanging out at this derelict hotel and just picking on this guy completely, and yet he just falls for their tricks again and again and again i'm like what was this like mid 80s trope I, it popped up a lot where where they would have like a group of bullies send a girl over to entice the guy and then ha 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 it's all a joke you and loser you can see them laughing in the background the character can like right you can see them yeah. laughing and it's like you know they're making fun of you and you're like you think the girl's serious like how are you know this doesn't really convey confidence that the main character is not a complete fucking moron yeah <laughs> like, which is oh what willie gardner the asshole that Bud Court plays is a complete fucking moron. Yeah, so, he yeah. is. Yeah. Like, he, like, I say this with absolute certainty, he is one of the stupidest characters I've ever seen in this show. It, it, it What he does is, is, is invite people that he knows are known assholes to his house, effectively, and then they try to kill him because they're known assholes. Right, yeah. Okay, and, okay, and then he yeah, moves out I, in the end. What is the lesson here? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was going to be like that story from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, um, where it's like the the woman on her wedding day who is playing hide and seek. Have you guys ever heard this urban legend? No. It's like a woman on her wedding day, and they one of the things that they do after they get married is they play hide and seek, and the woman goes and into the attic, and she gets in a trunk, and she gets in the uh. trunk, and the trunk slams on her head, knocks her out, trunk locks, whatever. She fucking dies in the trunk in the attic of the house, 20, 30 years later, people are looking for stuff in the attic, find the trunk, open it, and there's fucking the woman dead as the day she was born. I thought that's where they were going with this. Like, and it's some stupid shit instead. It's like really stupid. That reminds me of when my dad used to dress up as Santa Claus and one year he didn't come home for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> which I laughed uproariously about when I was watching Gremlins in the theater, and I had people shushing me, and one woman saying that I was sick for laughing at that. So when they did the whole Lincoln's birthday thing in the sequel, I felt very vindicated. What is wait? Yeah, the, I, the first one it's it's the Santa got stuck in the chimney thing, right? Right. What's the Lincoln's yes. birthday thing? In the she starts one, to tell. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Father Malone. Oh yeah, in the second one, at what at like a certain point where things are going crazy around them, uh, Phoebe Cates starts to say, "Oh, this reminds me of a time on Lincoln's birthday, like just, which is just a callback to the to the Santa thing." And then they're like, "We don't have time for this, right?" Oh. And there was a man with a with a beard and a stove top hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where I thought they were going with this because I was like, "Oh, he's gonna get locked in the in the crate, and that's it. Like he's dead now." But nope cut to the stupidest ending in this history of this show, at least so, coda to that so far. So far. So far, I mean, yeah. It reminded me a little bit of another Wish episode that we watched, I think, last season, where it was the woman that we keep seeing showing up in Barney Miller, where she can wish things, but then it has all the consequences of the wish. Like, I, I, I remember it was like, I wish that my neighbor could find love or something, but oh, then that yeah. effect, you remember? Oh, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's <laughs> like all of the consequences that happen and there's no consequences to Willie's wishes. So I'm like, okay, well that's always, you know, I'm waiting for the monkey's paw kind of thing or the genie who is going to fuck him over. Like if I had a nickel for every single time and then I don't know, the nickels are counterfeit and he gets arrested or something or whatever comes out of this, but there's no consequence. And it's just the limits of his dumbass imagination for the stuff that can come out of the trunk. And then, yeah, I don't know why you hide in the trunk. It's just like, this is a magic thing. Leave it alone. He didn't wish for a new security system for his building. Yeah. <laughs> or a yeah. gun or anything. Hey, 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 Mike, do you want to guess when that episode that you're talking about was? First season? Yeah. Okay. Wow, yeah. that was a while ago. Yeah. And the woman, are you talking about Uta Hagen? No. Wasn't that? She might have been, but this was, I think this was Candy Azara. Okay. Yeah, that was that, the first season. That's how long wow. ago that was. That was Jeez. Like, we've forgotten since then. Remember how good the first season was? Yeah. <laughs> so good. That's what the rest of these episodes should be. We'll just re- that, talk like, about our favorite episodes. The episode is still kind of okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot better than this one. Good I, Lord. I don't know <clears throat> what this episode was going for, but for once, instead of just being kind of okay and inoffensive, it is so stupid, it becomes offensive. It's offensively yeah. dumb in the way that it's written. Because it is written without internal logic. Mm. And by without internal logic, I mean the characters do things that literally no sense. Uh, w- once again, I do this every show when they start to fail. I, I have to wonder who was who was steering the ship at this point. Like, was there, was there no process? It was just like, here, go write this. And then they show up and go, okay, now we're just going to film it. Like... Like the, the very simplest, like, what are you trying to say here would solve so many problems with this season. Just uh, uh, <laughs> what is your point with this? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder because if by the end of this show, we're just like, I'm just glad to be working. Yeah, it's got to be it, because that's the only explanation behind this show being this dumb at this point. Like having yeah, I theorized that I theorized on another episode that it was probably just like these are like the reject pile. Right. 
Like, you know, they were like, this isn't even worth rewriting. Just just leave it in that trunk. <laughs> yeah. People will just eat that shit up. And now they're like, oh, OK, we'll just just take this. We've, this is done. Yeah. 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 It feels very much as like satisfying contractual obligations to get a third season of this show out. Like, OK, whatever kind of just nonsense can dribble out of J. Michael Straczynski and everybody else's pens. Like, that's what it feels like. It feels like you said, Father Malone just rejects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And what's a shame is, like, I remember, I don't remember when Twilight Zone magazine was out, but there are still stories from Twilight Zone magazine that I can remember to this day. It feels like they should have at least used that as, like, a seedbed for stories and been like, yeah, great. You know, let, let's do this thing that, you know, it, it just feels like, yeah, where where are these stories coming from? How is this approval process happening? Because... I agree with you. There was there were a lot of really good uh, stories in Twilight Zone magazine. I think at this point they were just like, "What is the cheapest way to True. fulfill our obligation to get this thing syndicated? Like, we're not going to pay out to uh, an author uh, from Twilight Zone magazine to get it to uh, adapt it at this point." You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the other thing is when you look at these episodes, they're all. At least these four, for the most part, also look pretty cheap. So, oh my god, yes! It, it feels like on top of everything else, they're like the scripts are just kind of eh, and then oh, they look like they're all shot on a set. Like, it doesn't even look like film sometimes. There, there are times where this looks so cheap. I'm like, is this three quarter inch video that you're shooting on here? Soap opera, yeah. <laughs> uh, even you know they did that on the original run of the Twilight Zone there for, right. for like a season, like where they would. They were saving money that way, but man, the, the episodes still continue to be quality. Yeah. 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 Once they got to those hour long episodes, I remember those being kind of weak. And that was always my problem with, and I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but that was always my problem with the outer limits. I was like, these stories would be a lot better if they were about half as long. You know, you've got a half an hour worth of story. You don't have an hour worth of a story. And with these things that we're watching here, 22 minutes sometimes feels like way too much. I'm like, you guys have eight minutes worth of a story here. Get to it. I was about to say, could could they realistically pad this story out to an hour? Like, Oh my God. Can you imagine? Watch that nightmare. That God awful fucking horrifying idea. Like who in the hell would, someone would watch it. Yeah. There were, there were some episodes season one. And season two, where I thought like the 22 minutes was a hindrance, like they yep. should have given this one the full hour. That is not the case with any season three episode. No. Way too long. These wouldn't even most of these stories wouldn't even be acceptable as like the little interstitial stories in between the other seasons. Right. I mean, if you boil this one down, it's, you know, guy finds a trunk that grants him wishes dot 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 gets picked on at a party hides in the trunk gets wished into re-existence by a lovelorn woman okay the the whole story i mean i said eight minutes before i think that even might be stretching it yeah i i genuinely cannot believe that that this is a 22 minute episode because (laughs) nothing happens i'm just pleased i don't ever have to watch it again yeah yeah. Trying to look at positives here. Yeah, yeah. Massive <laughs> positives here. Massive positives are we don't have to watch this. <clears throat> but on that note, let's talk about the 50th episode of the show and the 15th episode of the third season. Appointment on Route 17. One man, one heart. 
an obsolete fact of life. Witness Tom Bennett, a man who accepts his new organ as just one more item that money can buy. So this episode is directed by Rene Bonnier. It is written by Haskell Barkin, and it stars Paul Lamatt as a man who gets a heart transplant. A heart transplant in the Twilight Zone. (laughs) 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 That's how you write a fucking intro for this stupid-ass episode, guys. Not (sighs) one man, one heart, one solution. Like, no. This season. This is so good. This season is not only like the gentle season where they were no longer interested in any rough edges on their fantastical musings, uh, but it also seems to be the season where a bunch of baby boomer, you know, bottom tier screenwriters slash television writers got to vent about how they're like lost idealism. That This oh, felt yeah. a lot like that with Paul Lamatt's character, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, remember when we were young and cool? We can do that again. What I just need someone's of, heart to do it. Episode? What was the name of that episode? <laughs> what the was one the with name fun- of that episode that you're talking about? The one with... Um, the uh, girl I married. Oh, girl yeah. I yeah. Yeah. yeah, the one where they're fucking each other as younger versions of themselves. Dennis DeYoung. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dennis or Cliff? Cliff DeYoung. Dennis okay. DeYoung is the singer. Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait, no. Cliff, yeah. no, no. The Cliff DeYoung was the, the vet. the Vietnam one. Yeah, that's right. I can't remember who oh, okay. was. that was the um, James Whitmore Jr. Okay, no one. Uh, they remember. all blend together in their yeah, mediocrity. They do. They do. Oh man! I mean, we again. I've seen this story done so many times, so many times better. I mean, why isn't it? He got the eyes of a serial killer or something. <laughs> why isn't it? You know, the John Mulaney joke about the eyes of Jerry Orbach. You know, that's a better plot than what we're watching here i mean i, I feel don't know about strongly i'm I drawn this. to this diner yeah oh and this girl she's making me erect why could this be and he is such a creep it's why like is, i mean the guy's heart would be pumping straight to his dick i just yeah. want to point this out like oh my god i just ravage you that was the the other 80s thing, that sort of that mane of hair look for oh my successful God. yuppies. Like, Jesus, oh, you look terrible. That's what I'm going the for. The worst I've like ever seen. Windblown back hair. Like, mm. Mm, oh, yeah. I'm a lion, damn it. <laughs> you know what? I can rock a suit, but I can also rock an open denim shirt. Yeah. That's what that says. <laughs> it says for a... on the weekends, but work on the weekdays. Yeah. It's the very much the Gordon Gecko. Like you can wear it plastered down with gel or mousse, I should say. Yeah, and it'll be fine for work, but then you can just let it fly free in your convertible on the weekend and be the hipster guy. Look what I mean again. God. You're seeing it. I'm going for it, man. You got it. Gordon Gecko for the twenty first century. Gordon Gecko Ooh. would be a man with blonde hair that's dyed blonde. Oh, yeah. But I also am not a sociopath like Gordon Gecko or Paul <laughs> Lamatt's character. I guess he was an asshole at one point. Oh, he definitely is yeah. at the start of this episode. So I guess it, it takes a while for the heart to change you. I yes, guess. sure. What the fuck? I mean, why wasn't it immediate? Like, using the logic of this episode, the moment it's put into his body, he should start feeling things for this woman. Also, I would like to point out it is a creepy episode. Like just very creepy. It is. He is a total creep. I have your Oh. And now I think we should start seeing each other. What do you think? Oh god. What a per- like what a perverse I like 
No one would write that story in 2021. Like nobody. You know what? You could, if you were to focus on that and like uh, try and deal with the the levels of creepiness, but this is, this thinks it's being sweet. I mean, what was that movie? Was it heart condition with, Denzel and oh, Bob Hoskins. Hoskins? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The movie that totally doesn't feel like it should exist, but yet somehow does. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like that movie better than this episode. Someone threw Definitely. a bunch of names into a bag and just started pulling them out with ideas. Bob Hoskins, Denzel Washington, guy who gets a black man's heart. Mm-hmm. A racist cop. Racist cop. Yeah. yeah racist of cop. Yep. Of course. And he learns a lesson. Yep. There was a great movie called Change of Mind where it was Raymond St. Jack who he gets the mind of a white guy put into him. And this was, oh God, early 70s or late 60s. And that dealt with race really well because it was an actual brain transplant into a black guy. And then like, okay, here's how this white guy's experiencing this black guy's life. Really good. Much better than this. Ripped off, get out. Ripped off, get out. uh, There we are. (laughs) The amazing two-headed transplant is better. Oh, gosh. It's like... Yeah. uh, The Rayma Land and Rosie Greer. Rosie Greer, yeah. The Simpsons episode. Do you have two of everything? (laughs) The Simpsons episode is better than this. Yeah. Where Homer gets, uh, what is it, Snake's hair. Oh, God. And he becomes, you know, he wants to kill Bart because I think Bart is the one who turned him in. Right, and so We're, it's like slideshow Bob ish. Like I, I would, I mean, it's essentially the same idea. Like this is such yeah. an unnovel concept. It's like hell to pay the uh, amazing stories episode. Yeah, it's the uh, the hair from the person that died from the French Revolution, maybe. And yeah, yeah I think that was a, so. That's where the Simpsons ripped it. From. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's a great episode. It's it's so like you said, Father Malone. It's so just kind of just not there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it has nothing. We're going to tell this sweet romance and the only way, but it's the twilight zone. So we're going to put this twist on, but, and by the way, there are like, there are actual stories of people who went through something like this, where like somebody, you know, had a transplant and then like finds themselves attracted to that person. Like they find each other or like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all sort of happenstance. So like, even those stories are more interesting than this because there's really no supernatural thing going on here at all. Like, Shouldn't they and be for the I, I'm so tired of the yuppies. Well, yeah, yeah. On this show, like, yeah, well, I don't, I don't feel anything for them, and I don't want to understand them. They're fucking dickheads. I mean, isn't I mean, is '88, '89 like peak d- dickhead yuppie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bright lights, big city, baby. Less oh. than zero. You know what? Yeah. You know what they should do when they reboot the Twilight Zone? Inevitably, the next time they should do this, but it's a man's face. It's a face transplant. Oh, a face pants. Oh, like taking his face off? Yeah. I'm putting it a Castor Troy <laughs> style. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's like I, I was like like I can't even look at you. <laughs> but I'm in love with you. I have your ex-husband's face. I literally can't look at you right now. This is creeping me out. Like Yeah. This is just it's a fucking weird premise that doesn't make sense and doesn't really Mm-mm. But it feels quaint, doesn't it? It's nice and quaint. Remember body parts? Yeah, oh yeah. Like horror movie? Yeah, Eric Red was. Yeah, I was gonna say I couldn't remember who was involved in that one. Yeah, I think it was Michael Pere too. Mm. That, that solid chunk of wood, Michael Pere. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're talking about his very solid acting style. Yes, he's good. Yes, yes. he's good. You prop him up and let him go. 
that's why he's still in everything today. That's right. Wow. Look at the tangents we're more interested in than talking yeah. about this episode. Yeah. Have <sighs> I said skip to any of these? <laughs> Do I need to? Yeah. No, I, I thought people were in on it when, oh my God, her boyfriend, his heart is now an older man. Uh, an older, creepy fucking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Lamette deserved better. I don't know. I I don't know why he didn't become a bigger thing. I mean, was it just bad roles? Was he an asshole or is an asshole in real life? I mean, seems we'll never okay know. On Facebook, I fo- uh, follow him on Facebook. He seems nice there. Remember when there was an age when we didn't know all the minutia of everyone's lives? And oh God, <laughs> yeah, you just had to kind of speculate, like. Why didn't, uh, why wasn't uh, Paul Lamont a bigger star? He should have yeah, been. We yeah. like him. Why exactly. Rose, why didn't Rose McGowan get all these roles for yeah. in the ni- in late 90s? Why was that? Seems kind of strange. Yeah, it's weird. Whatever happened so to many- Annabella Sciura? Yeah. Why is uh, Mira Sorvino not really working anymore? Yeah. She won an Oscar. Yeah. That's unusual. Yeah, boy. The you know to your point though, Father Malone, you're right. The internet is, uh, for as good as it is, it is also just as bad. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah. Which allows like, us to be I, smug, I, pretentious, and miserable talking about yeah. Twilight Zone and convincing people that we hate this show. And like yeah. that's the saddest part about this. Is, yeah. Like I know that we have people that listen to this show, and we have people that have written reviews about this show that go like, "You guys don't fucking like this show. Why are you talking about it?" And that's not fair because the fact that we that whether whether we like it or not is unimportant. It's that we're we're able to be critical regardless of those facts. It, right. I mean, Father Malone loves this show, at least the first season. Me too. We love the chronic. We love Tales from the Crypt, and we were able to be fucking objective about that show as well. Objectivity yep. needs to be removed from our opinions, and it's unfortunate that these episodes suck. But what are we supposed to do? Say how good they are, and then people go watch them and feel like they wasted their time? That's not fair either. Yeah. No, I wouldn't wish these on anyone. Yeah. Out of a we- trunk. We didn't start this show because we hate it. We started it because we yeah. liked it so much. Yeah. Remember how good that show was? Yeah, great. Let's talk about it. Yeah. yeah. We, we were talking before the show. I had mentioned the other show that I had pitched for the three of us to do, and that got shot down because the perception was it was not a good show. Using that logic, <clears throat> we should not have talked about this show if it was get, if we had known it was going to be bad. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just it's unfortunate because – you would have hoped that this show wouldn't really fall apart this fast. I would propose a uh, another podcast, a, a, a companion piece, if you will, to the one season show where we just talk about the one season of a show that was good. Right. <laughs> Before it jumped off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know about you guys, but I love when someone tells me to watch a show, but just watch past the first season. It gets better then. Like, right. I had a friend tell me, you should be watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I said, I tried, and it's just not for me. And he was like, but the beginning of the third season, once you get there, and I'm like, you want me to watch two full seasons of a garbage thing no. so it can potentially get better at some point? No. I think I'm up to season seven on that thing, and no, it's not good. It's never been good. I came back for Ghost Rider just because I love Ghost Rider, but then I just watched the episodes that Ghost Rider was in. I fast-forwarded <laughs> until it arrived, and then I, you know. Yeah, and, and those weren't. That good either. No, they were garbage. Yeah. I mean, that's why I didn't watch Mad Men because everyone's like, oh, the first two seasons aren't very good. But once you get past those, I'm like, ah, it's like 16 hours of TV, guys. Like, right. Literally have anything. I, I, anything I love that show. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, but are the first two seasons of that show good? Yeah. 
I think so. Well, maybe I'll watch it. But, you know, at this point, there's other things. I almost prefer the first two seasons over the rest of the show. Hmm. Well, maybe the people that I was listening to opinions were wrong. That's a possibility. Yes, they certainly were, at least over here. <laughs> but you know whose opinion's not wrong? Ours on this show, because this no. show is not good anymore. No. And with that in mind, on the next episode of this show, we're continuing our trod towards the end of this particular season twilight zone with the 16th and 17th episodes of the third season the cold equations and stranger in possum meadows so cool so come back for those until then father malone where can people find your smug pretentious and miserable opinion yeah, you can you can always find it at fathermalone.com. Uh, check out uh, links there to my podcast, Dark Destinations, which is a half hour radio drama that I write and produce and uh, links to, I don't know, YouTube and all the podcasts, including the one that Chris and I did uh, about Tales from the Crypt, Chronicles from the Crypt. What about your OnlyFans? Um, you know, they took it down. Oh. Too sexy. <laughs> too much nudity. Just too, yes. too much for them to handle. Uh, Mike, what about you? Where where can people find you uh, on the internet? You can always find me at the Projection Booth, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. And can you, you can also find Chris and I talking about Barney Miller, which so far hasn't fallen off a cliff. And I'm hoping it doesn't because we've got one, two, three, four, five, five, five more seasons five to seasons. go. Yeah, five more fucking seasons. But so far, it's fantastic. We just hit a high point talking about the hash episode one of the funniest things i've seen so thank goodness for that and yeah we also talk about rankin and bass over on the rankin on bass podcast which uh your mileage may vary on that but uh at least we have a fun time talking about it so you get to hear mike sing specifically on the lord of the rings episode if you want to hear it go listen very popular episode just because of the singing Mike being able to hit those high notes. That really- I'll tune in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Glenn Yarborough, eat your heart out. It's actually better. Mike's rendition <laughs> is closer to what Frodo, I would assume, would want sung about him. So. <laughs> As for me, you can find me kicking my proverbial can down the road at C-S-T-A-C-H-I-W.com. That's my name. My last name with the first letter of my first name attached to it. That's where you can go and find all the links to the stuff I work on. Uh, my OnlyFans is not on there yet. Um, I had to take it down because uh, they said, like Father Malone, it was just too damn hot out there for us. They reversed the decision. We can do it. We can be back on OnlyFans again, <laughs> oh, guys. Oh, that's right. Sorry. We can't. Yeah. No, I tried that. They still said too what? sexy. Too sexy? Too wow. Sexy. <laughs> Green-haired men, just they just do it for people so hard on the internet. It's like red-headed women, green-haired men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, true. Very Me and uh, <laughs> yeah, what's his name? Uh, uh, Dean Stockwell. The boy oh, with the there green you hair. go. I thought you were going to go for Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Or Edward Norton. Or uh, <laughs> Lou um, Frigno. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's the other guy? Or Ed, Eric, Eric Bana. Eric Bana, Eric yeah. Bana. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag Eric Bana is still my hope but seriously um, no there's no OnlyFans but that's where you can find the stuff that I work on with these guys uh, as for this show TwilightZone85.com TwilightZone85 on Twitter as well and DreamsForSale.com maybe no I think it's just TwilightZone85.com and TwilightZone85.com big thanks as always to Roxy Drive and Neutron Dreams for the music for the show and we'll catch you on the next episode <laughs>